All right, well, welcome back to the Boilers Extra podcast here at jconline.com, uh, also through soundcloud.com. Uh, Mike Carmen of the, the Journal and Courier and jconline.com uh, uh, talking uh, Purdue football today as uh, the Boilermakers get set to host Oregon State in the uh, season opener on Saturday night at Ross State Stadium, 7 o'clock Eastern time for kickoff. Uh, pleased to be joined on the line today from uh, out west, where it's still early in the morning. Hopefully he's had his breakfast and he's ready to go. Nick Dashell works for the or- Oregonan and talks and uh, covers Oregon State uh, for, for the newspaper. And uh, we appreciate your time, Nick, this morning. Everything going all right? Yeah, good to be here. All righty. Sitting, uh, sitting in sunny Corvallis right now. <laughs> well, it's it's sunny West Lafayette as as we talk on this uh, Tuesday afternoon. So uh, you got a chance to watch a lot of Oregon State's practices in the in, in preseason camp. Kind of what were your your takeaways of what you saw and what you what you expected to see, and were there uh, any surprises there for you? Well, this is the you know the fourth year of, of Jonathan's tenure, Jonathan Smith's tenure at Oregon State. So, and it's been a you know it's been a bill that the you know he brought, he came into he came to Oregon State you know the program pretty much in shambles with Gary Anderson leaving you know mid season in 2017. There was really you know really nothing on the defensive side of the ball at all, and you know some pieces to work with on offense. And each year has been a yeah, he's been building through the transfer portal, you know, through some recruiting and whatnot. And I think what they have now is a team that, that um, you know, four years later is a team that they think has a shot to get to a, you know, get to a bowl game this year, which would be, you know, at least a six-win team. And, you know, based on what I saw in camp, you know, there's, it's, it's possible. I You know, there's times when I think this team could win, you know, eight games and, but you know, again, the, the, what's going to have to happen with this team is the the offense has always been there under Jonathan. It's been the defense that's that's been the grind. Um, you know, it was one of the worst in the country in 2018 when he first took over, and and it was a little better in 2019. And last year was, you know, it was about it was a hard year for everybody, so it's hard to judge that. But what i've seen in camp you know it's a team the defensively they, they they really made an emphasis on on forcing turnovers because that's been a big problem and getting off the field on third down and stopping the run those are three things that really held this defense back and you know everything that i saw looks like this defense is going to be better i mean you never know until you see a game but they're faster they're more physical they tackle better you know they 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 do create turnovers, um, so from that standpoint, you know I'm I'm curious to see what happens Saturday because I mean Purdue is kind of in the same boat. I mean they're they're looking to get to a bowl game too this year, and I know this, you know whoever wins this game, it's it, it's a big launching point. Yeah, and when you talked about Oregon State's defense and what they wanted to do this year and what didn't happen last year. You know that's a carbon copy of what Purdue's defense was a year ago. They didn't force a lot of turnovers. Um, they couldn't get off the field on on third down, uh, and situations like that le- like that led to wholesale changes by Jeff Brom on the defensive side. So I, I think uh, it sounds like we're going to have two defenses uh, looking to prove themselves uh, and erase what happened last year. Yeah, and you know. Uh... 
with, with this defense, and it's the case with every defense, it starts up front, and, you know, Oregon State fans, they really lose their minds over the fact that Oregon State doesn't have, you know, the, the, the big guy in the middle of defensive tackle, and I keep reminding them, there's only a few of those guys out there, and everybody wants them. I mean, you know, there's just not that many great defensive tackles out there, so... What they've got is they what they've done with this defensive line is they moved a, an offensive lineman from last year over over to the defensive side. He's a three hundred forty seven pound, you know, pretty. He's the biggest guy on the team, um, and we'll see how he you know we'll see how he plugs things up. But they do have some pretty pretty mobile defensive ends, um, but but it's it's more about the, the the line just holding its own. I I, I don't. I don't honestly see this defensive line, you know, being a real playmaking thing, but if they can just hold their own and let the linebackers who are pretty good on this team make plays, then, then they'll be all right. Cause uh, you know, they're, they're inside linebackers, Avery Roberts, Nomar Spades are both really experienced. They, they were both in the top five at the tackles in the PAC 12 last year. They're outside linebackers, especially Andre Hughes Murray. He's, he's a sixth year, Senior, he's third year captain. He, he's good at getting to the quarterback. Um, you know, so that's where it's got. That's where it's got to happen. Is the defensive line just got to be able to hold its own and not get run over. Um, in the secondary, the, the interesting matchup there is going to be, you know, Rajon Wright. He's a he's he's first year starting cornerback, but his brother Nashawn was is uh, was a third round draft pick by the Cowboys this past year and he was a starting corner for Oregon State and he has looked really good. I mean he he's he's looked really good. I'm really curious to see how he matches up against, you know, Purdue stud receiver. Um, but they've got some experience back there in the secondary as well. So if that defensive line could just hold up, I think the defense will be all right because they got guys that can make some plays. All right, going to offensive or the offensive side, uh, Sam Neuer uh, named the starting quarterback yesterday. A transfer from Colorado brings in a lot of experience. I think twenty six games uh, he's played for the for the Buffaloes. Um, was he the guy that you thought had the best camp, or uh, was it? A, and was it a pretty close race? No, it was close, and I mean, I honestly thought, you know, two and a half weeks into camp, Tristan Jebbia was going to win the job, but he, you know, he had a pretty serious hamstring injury last year when he was trying to score against Oregon in the fourth quarter, and he had to have surgery, Um, and, you know, it's been a long, you know, tough road getting back, and about uh, the, the day before the last scrimmage, it just was getting so sore. They decided to give him some time to let it rest. And so, you know, here we are, you know, a week later, and he still hasn't really practiced. So they had to make a decision. And and, and it's not like Neuer was, you know, they, there was a clear separation. I mean, they were 1A and 1B. But, you know, they had to make a decision, and, and they went with Neuer at this point. And, I just I, I asked the question yesterday. What happens when you know Tristan is you know is feeling good again? Is the job open? And you know it, it obviously, and the obvious answer was, well, we don't know because you know if Neuer lights it up, then he's the guy. But if he doesn't, then then they probably will look at it. So 
but Sam's Sam's a, you know he's a good solid quarterback. He's six four, two thirty, can run a little bit, but he, you know he's more of a pocket passer because Oregon State's going to play the pro style offense. They like they like leading with the run, but they obviously throw it a lot too. But they definitely want to establish the running game. Uh, but Sam, you know, Sam, it'll be interesting to see how he does. He he had a good year at Colorado last year, but it was really the first year he had played, been the been the been the, been the man at quarterback. I mean, the previous year, <laughs> you know, they moved him to safety. I mean, he wasn't even a quarterback at Colorado. So, um, so you know, we'll see. It, I, I I think with this team, you know, the the, the running game is going to be the thing. Because that offensive line has proven to be really good against the, you know, in, in setting up runs and whatnot. They, they've been a little bit they've been a little bit suspect in, in pass blocking, but I think that's that's going to be better this year. So that's the strength of this team is is definitely the offensive line because of all the experience they have. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask about the line and the, I think the combined eighty two starts that they have uh, has to be a benefit no matter who's under center. So I figured the coaching staff feels pretty good, would feel really good about their quarterback selection, you know, based on what they have at the line. And as you said, if they can get their running game going, that's going to make any quarterback comfortable uh, back there in the pocket. Yeah, I mean, you got a, you got a center, you know, Nathan Eldridge, who started two years at Arizona, and then he grad transferred to Oregon State, and he also got an extra year because for a medical redshirt. So I mean he's he started. This will be pretty much his fourth year as a starting center. Um, so he's really experienced. And Brandon Kipper at right tackle is he's in his third year as a starting tackle. And they really like the left tackle Joshua Gray, who's who's uh, in his third year, but he's you know considered a redshirt freshman. Uh, but he started all last year, and and then the the right guard. Um, and boy, it was Butcher's last name. I just call him News because that's his first name. I don't even want to pronounce his last name, but he's he's been. I mean, he's played center and guard on the starting line the last two years, so he's 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 really experienced too. But yeah, this is as veteran a line as you're going to see in college football, I think. And there's going to be. I mean, that's there's going to be a lot of veteran lines, I think, this year as well as super senior stuff. But but I don't think there's going to be a line you're going to see that's. As, you know, is, is more veteran than Oregon State's. Uh, as far as receiver, who are, who are some of the threats there that uh, Neuer's going to look to, and um, and you know how how do you feel like the passing game is going to play out? Uh, not only Saturday, but this season for for the Beavers. Well, that's it, that's going to be an interesting one in that that's the deepest position on their team is the receivers, but. I wouldn't say there's a you know there's obviously not a you know a David Bell on that on that roster, but there's a lot of good receivers. They're gonna they're gonna start with I can see them I can see them rolling out you know ten receivers against Purdue over the course of the game um, because they're just there's just a lot of guys that outside of you know they're gonna start Trayvon Bradford who's a six year senior and he's he he caught I want to say he caught fifty six passes. Three years ago, he's had some injuries um, the last couple of years, but he's 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 pretty proven. Um, uh, Tyjon Lindsey's going to start. He he's a Nebraska transfer. Um, 
he's shown some ability at times, but he really broke out this camp. So I'm curious to see how his growth shows up in a game. And then from there, it's, I mean, it's a, it's going to be a, who knows? I mean, Zariah Beeson's a really promising freshman receiver who, who played last year. Um, and he's shown some ability. I, I mean, I think that people think he's the best receiver on the team, but, you know, we'll see. Chance Lemmings is, he's no bigger than 5'4", 5'5", I think he's 5'5". But he's got an ability to get open and make plays. Um, they've got a guy from a Florida State transfer, Trey, Treshawn Harrison, who was only eligible to play the last two games of last season, but he caught a bunch of balls in those last two games. And I think he's he could emerge uh, this season. Don't know, you know, if it'll be Saturday, but he will. Um, probably, I don't know, I think the biggest passing, pass-receiving threat they have is a tight end, Luke Musgrave. He's six six two sixty, and he can run. He's he, he's going to be a load, I think. I, I he I he I just uh, he's got so much ability. I uh, uh, but you know in their offense, you got to be able to block first because because of, of, of all their running that they like to like to go to. But yeah, he's a guy I think that could be could be a real breakout star for Oregon State this year. Uh, there was a player you mentioned in one of your stories earlier this week, Luke Coletto, uh, who was a linebacker, but also Jack, Jack Coletto. I'm sorry, Jack Coletto, um, that plays linebacker, but also runs some quarterback plays for them. You know, kind of a two part question. Number one, I mean, how's how's that worked in the past, and do you see them still staying with that? Is, is there any way he's related to Jim Coletto, the former Purdue coach, who was here many no, years ago? I don't think so. No, no, Jack. <laughs> Yeah, Jack is the uh, – he's the second – he came to Oregon State as a quarterback. And then, you know, it was just apparent that he, you know, wasn't really a Division One quarterback. Um, but, you know, he's a he's a football player, and he wanted to play. And so they gave him a redshirt year, and he bulked up some and, and moved to inside linebacker. And he's the backup to uh, Avery Roberts um, on that side of the ball. But they they haven't given up on the on, on his ability in short yardage as a short yardage quarterback. I mean, it's uncanny how how good he is. I mean, he comes in games on third and one, fourth and two, short yardage goal line, and they can't stop him. It, it's uh, last year against Stanford, he ran six times, and. Every carry was between six and eight yards, and they knew he was going to get. I mean, they know he's going to get the ball. They know what he's going to do. They can't stop him. And so, I, I think if anything, you're going to see more of Jack Coletto this year, not less. I mean, because until you know, you, you, you know, it's just one of those things. Until they prove you can stop the guy, you got to keep going to him. So, I, I definitely could. He's definitely going to play some at some point at quarterback against Purdue. I don't know where. Or, or when, but, you know, he's going to be in there for sure. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a pretty good athlete, remarkable athlete to to play both sides of the ball like that at, at key positions as well. I mean, yeah. we're, not, we're not talking, you know, slouch positions here. We're talking quarterback and, and linebacker. Uh, we're visiting with Nick Daschle, who covers Oregon State uh, for the Oregonian uh, newspaper out west. And, uh, 
Just I, I did want to ask: just is, is do, anything on on special teams with the Beavers kind of stand out to you right now? Are they experienced in that area, or are they are they are they going to break in some new players uh, come Saturday? Well, I think their kicker is pretty is pretty set. Everett Hayes, he he he's kicked the last two years, and he's been he's he's pretty solid. He, he's 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 pretty consistent from you know inside of forty, but during camp this year, he's hit a number of fifty five and sixty yard field goal tries. So. You know, we'll see. I mean, I, I I don't have too many concerns with him, other than I'm not sure what they're doing with kickoffs yet because they had a different guy kicking off last year, so they'll be looking at him for that. the The punter situation is a little interesting. They got a left footer and a right footer, and they haven't. <clears throat> I, I I think you're going to see them not saying who's going to punt because they might use both of them depending on you know what they what they like as far as you know left and right footed punter. Um, return guys, there's no changes there. There's still Bradford and, and Champ Flemings and those guys will be doing the return game. But I mean, they've been, they've been okay in, in special teams. I mean, I wouldn't say they've been making, you know, big plays, but they haven't been getting beat out of them either. So, so uh, from that standpoint, I think they're okay. They'll, they'll try a few, they'll try a few tricks here every now and then with some, with some of their kickoffs and, and, and whatnot. And they, their special teams coach is a little bit on the creative side. He'll, he'll try something every now and then. But um, yeah, I mean, it's I, I wouldn't say it's you know it's not gonna it's not a unit that's gonna blow you away. But I don't think it's gonna get a beat either. Well, uh, you do have a Purdue connection on that coaching staff from Oregon State. Tim Tibisar, uh spent one season at Purdue back in 2012. He worked for uh, Danny Hope. Uh, at Purdue, he was only here the the one year. Uh, then he, uh, I think, he has bounced around uh, some other places. Uh, I think he was with the Bears for a little bit, and then he, I think he came to Oregon State uh, from Wisconsin. So he has he has a good understanding of how how things happen in the Big Ten. Um, have you had any opportunity to talk to him or uh, any memories that he he brought up about being at Purdue in two thousand twelve? No, um, I mean, yeah, obviously I've talked to him, but not about Purdue, but tomorrow, you know, availability with him is tomorrow, so I was, you know, I was going to ask him about whether he remembered about Purdue, and I'm sure the coaching staff has been, you know, kind of asking a little bit about, you know, just the atmosphere and whatnot right. about Purdue, you know, because he also was there from, with, when he was with Wisconsin, so right. he would know. He would know more than most guys about the staff, but um, yeah, no, I have not been. I haven't talked to him yet, but I'm going to tomorrow. Um, I just a couple of things before I let you go. Not not game related, but kind of what was the the Pac-12 response or the feeling out out west about the alliance that was created? You know, last week between the Big Ten, the the Pac-12, and and the ACC, much to do about nothing, or do you think there's some substance there? that will eventually get going and, and benefit all three conferences? I mean, I think the, the general can, the general reaction was, eh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, it was like, you know, it, it was word salad. It really, <clears throat> there's no specifics to it. I mean, right. it's, it's a start, but, you know, the, you know, people are, you know, coming up with a lot of suggestions and, Thoughts on you know matchups and 
<coughs> excuse me, you know, things like that. But yeah, everybody knows there's no there's no substance to it yet. It's it's just a starting point. So no, I don't. I didn't get the feeling anybody was, you know, wild about it. They just they just like that. You know, at least they're, they're trying to do something. Were you surprised that Pac-12 tapped the brakes on expansion? <clears throat> no, because who who are they who are they going to go after? It's going to make them better. I mean, there's nobody nobody from the Big Twelve that you know you would you know. I, I think the only the only combination of teams that might interest them at some point, but you know I don't know. It would be Houston and Texas Tech, but just to get a footprint. And, in Texas, but I just, yeah, I don't, I, I think pretty much is everybody on board with Pac-12 not not expanding as long as they're also in the, you know, protective mode too, and that's, I guess that's where, that was the biggest thing about the Alliance is that at least, you know, they're not too concerned about getting their teams poached and, and whatnot. I mean, do you, do you think the Pac-12 is going to be supportive of the college football expansion at 12 or are they more in tune to, to maybe support an eight team uh, playoff at this juncture? Oh, the play, the, the play. Oh yeah. They, I think they definitely would like the 12. I mean, they, I mean, it's just more, more slices of a, of a, of a <laughs> lucrative pie. And, you know, at this point, the Pac-12 is getting nothing out of it. And, you know, I, even in, even in the best of years, one team is a maybe out here. So you know, with twelve, they definitely you know, should get one in, and maybe two. Um, but I mean, it makes sense to hold off and see what you know how they can leverage this alliance with the SEC and the, and, the, and the twelve team playoff. But I, yeah, I definitely think they're in favor of a twelve over an eight. All right. Well, Nick, uh, we appreciate your time. You can. Uh... Check out Nick's work at the Oregonian, um, uh, OregonLive.com, to catch up on everything that uh, Nick is writing about Oregon State ahead of Saturday's game against Purdue. Nick will be making the trip, so wish him well on his travels uh, halfway across the country. Uh, and hopefully he he arrives uh, unharmed and unscathed and you know gets uh, gets gets to West Lafayette uh, in time for. Uh, in time for the game, so hopefully in 2024 I can make a similar trip to Corvallis when when Purdue uh, when Purdue gets out there. Anything I should be looking for in 2024 uh, as I as I look ahead to that uh, the next game. You know, hopefully we're still we're still alive then. No, yeah, it's, I mean, it's if you've never been out here, it's yeah, it's certainly especially if it's early. I, I can't remember. Is that a, it's an early September? Yeah, it'd be a September game. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great time to come out to the Northwest in early September, and weather's still pretty good. And um, yeah, it's. A, I mean, I don't know that you'll be staying in Corvallis because there's not a ton of hotels here. Uh, well, there are if you want to spend four or five hundred dollars a night, but um, they pretty much you know lock those things down for football. But um, yeah, it's 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 if you've never been out here, it's it's worth it's worth the trip. Well, I, I, mean, I was just out. I was just out in your area, you know, for for the NCAs with uh, when Oregon State made its run. Oh, okay. Uh, to the elite, to the elite eight. So I was in Indianapolis for two weeks. So. 
The, not unfamiliar, not totally unfamiliar with the area. Right. The bubble, the NCAA tournament bubble. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Nick, uh, again, thanks for your time. Appreciate your insight. Look forward to, to meeting you on Saturday, and uh, good luck on your travels, and uh, good luck with everything else. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. We'll see you. Once again, we thank uh, Nick Daschle from the Oregonian for his time uh, today, uh, breaking down the Beavers and what what uh, you can expect from Oregon State uh, coming up Saturday uh, at Ross State Stadium. Uh, what should we expect from the Boilermakers on Saturday? Um, well, you know we've heard all about the aggressive defense. Uh, we've heard, you know, about an improved running game. Um, you know, we've heard about, you know, a good starting offensive line uh, for Purdue, depth at receiver position. Uh, don't want to forget about the tight ends. Payne Durham's probably one of the better ones in the Big Ten that they can use. But, you know, there, there's still a lot of unknowns. You know, how does an aggressive defense look against another opponent? And they can look good in practice, but how does that translate to the game? And that's, you know, it's just one of several areas that you probably need to watch uh coming up Saturday of what happens. You know, I, I expect a different kind of defense from Purdue. You know, I, I expect a, a, a different kind of defensive front. You know, I expect George Karloftis to to have uh, the ability to, to 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 get after the passer, and, and they'll do some different things with him. You know, DeMarcus Mitchell is a guy that missed nine practices in camp, but now is back and appears ready to go. But... Um, it's hard for me to see him playing a full game right now, so you're going to have to get some help from Jack Sullivan, uh, Tydron Jenkins, uh, and some other guys to help spell him a little bit. And then, you know, you do worry a little bit about the interior, the defensive tackles, Lawrence Johnson and uh, Branson Dean. You know, as you know, Dean's a little bit undersized, but he's quick. Uh, his quickness really um, is a, is a big asset of his. Uh, and then you've got a couple transfers there with Prince Boyd and Jamari, Demar, Demar J. Lewis uh, from Indiana is going to be part of that rotation uh, as well. But you know, defensively, um, you know that that's kind of the key thing to watch. You know, how much is it different from last year? Um, all signs say it will be, uh, and it has to be. I mean, it just has to be. It has to be different because the same defense and the same approach will not work uh, this year, and it shouldn't. Uh, and then offensively, as you know, Jack Plummer is going to be the starter. Uh, he's got the experience. Um, he's got the he's got the weapons around him offensively. You know, the concern, in my opinion, is going to be, you know, how does the offensive line uh, hold up, um, especially with likely playing six or seven guys um, uh, this this week. Uh, I think the starters have had enough time together to get that cohesion, but. Uh, they don't have a lot of depth there, so if one goes down, um, you're going to see some shifting around um, and, and and things like that. So, um, you know, but this is a this is a very important game for both teams, as as Nick was saying, especially for Oregon State and for Purdue. You know, he's right; the winner of this game, um, you know, is going to get off to a good start. Uh, it's going to feel good about pushing its way to to bowl eligibility. You know, with Purdue's upcoming schedule after Saturday with a trip to UConn, which um, they're going to be favored by a bunch of points um, to, to win that game. Um, 
That's what that, that's what makes Saturdays pretty important. You know, ideally, you know, if Purdue is going to get to a bowl game this this year, they have to they have to start two and zero. I don't think there's any question about it. They've got to start two and zero. You're most likely going to lose at Notre Dame, and then Illinois, Minnesota. Worst case scenario, you split. Best case scenario, you sweep. And if you are four and one after those first five games. It tells me a couple things. Number one, the the defense is is clicking and they bought in, and it's playing the way that they they want to play, aggressive, and they're getting after the quarterback. They're they're forcing turnovers. They're getting off the field on third down. Um, so that it also tells me that Purdue is still relatively healthy after five games. And if if they're four and one, you know, if they're three and two, some of those things still apply. If they're two and three. They've probably lost a player or two, to a key player to an injury, and uh, and it's going. It, it would be an uphill climb uh, at two and three after those first five games. I do. You know, there are opportunities in the second part of the schedule. Uh, the second part of the schedule gets tougher uh, with games at Iowa and against Wisconsin. But you know, they they go to Nebraska, which if you watch the the first the opening game last week, Nebraska and Illinois, that's definitely a, a game that Purdue should be competitive in. And have a have a chance to win, you know. Michigan State comes here. That's a you know obviously a winnable game for Purdue. They go to Northwestern. Although the Wildcats are probably a better program right now than Purdue, you know Purdue would probably have an opportunity as we speak today uh, to to have a chance to to win that game. And then you close with IU, you know rivalry game. A lot of a lot of things can happen in that, but it's it's also still way far out. But uh, it's imperative that you know Purdue. Uh, takes care of business, uh, you know, in the first part of the season to put itself in a position to, to to get to to get to six wins, and that's to me that's what this season is all about. Get to six wins, no matter how you get there, and then push it forward after that. Um, and and I th- you know and I think that kind of helps reset things uh, with the program, um, helps reset things. Uh, with Jeff Brom, um, and you just kind of catch your breath a little bit, and then you know make sure recruiting picks up, player development picks up, and uh, and if they can get to that point, then the changes you made on the defensive side obviously would have worked to the point where you're satisfied and you're happy. Um, but then you know college football, college sports, you you know you just got to do it again. But um, you know this this could turn into a promising season, but it can't without a win on Saturday. I mean that's just that's as real as uh, I think that that I can make it. Is that you know I, I don't think they can have the kind of season they want to have if they lose on on Saturday. Now you'd say, well, they were zero three a couple years ago, uh, then finished and went to a bowl game. Yeah, you know those things can happen. I get it, but um, you know I think this team is different than the one. A few years ago, and uh, uh, I just don't think getting off to a bad start at at zero and one, zero and two, or whatever it may be, uh, I'm not sure that this team can can recover uh, from that. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, a lot of excitement in the air, and there should be. There's excitement along with some some trepidation, just about you know, you know, you coming off back to back losing seasons, you know, can can Purdue turn that trend around? Can Jeff Brom turn that trend around uh, and get get this program uh, to a point where it is competing 
uh, every year for a Big West uh, division title, at least get in the conversation, uh, and then kind of go from there. So anyway, appreciate you joining the podcast. Again, thanks to Nick Dashville for the Oregonian for joining us. You can catch all, get all of his work at uh, uh, OregonLive.com leading up to uh, Saturday's game. Questions, comments, concerns, uh, feel free to reach out uh, through all the uh, electronic means that that you want to use, and we'll be happy to respond and may read your question or two uh, during our next podcast. Once again, thanks for stopping by, and uh, have a good day.